My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 54. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. We had a blast yesterday. On yesterday's show, I answered, well, some of the most common questions that I get from listeners. I do it once a quarter. You know what a quarter is? 25 cents. Now, a quarter is actually three months worth of emails and questions and comments. I don't really review the comments that much, although I get a lot of good ones, and I appreciate it greatly. There are people who listen on a regular basis and others who just kind of jump in every now and then when they happen to be driving through East Tennessee or happen to find me on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcast or wherever else you get your podcasts. I didn't even know what a podcast was two years ago. Not a clue. But I do now, and I use, uh, I use this to spread the word about how to improve your car life and how to get more knowledgeable about cars. So, you know, yesterday, if you listened, if you didn't, you can go back to the podcast and you can listen and get all caught up. But we talked about oil, you know, what whether you should stick with the same brand of oil and gasoline and what's the best car for a teenager or older folks, difference between all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive, how often should you get a tune-up, you know, that kind of stuff. We're not going to review that again today because we did that yesterday, and you can go back and listen if you have time. But one of the questions I got actually yesterday afternoon after I did the radio show, I got a question from a lady who said she just curbed her wheel and her husband was going to be furious. I understand the husband. I do. I've never curved my curbed, sorry, my wheels because I know how to kind of swing out and get around things. But, you know, because you know why we curb our wheels so much now? I'll let you in on a little secret. Tires used to be fatter and thicker. Um, they actually stood out from the wheel anywhere from a half inch to an inch and a half. I mean, they were just really bulbous looking things. Not anymore. Now the wheels are pushed all the way out to the edge. They call that the offset. And the offset has caused a lot of upset by people who are curbing their wheels left and right. That's when you, you know, you have this beautiful 20-inch wheel and you run up against the curb at the bank, uh, at the drive-thru at the bank or at the pharmacy or wherever. And you have scarred your wheels. They got these big scratches in them. So she wanted to know if there was anything she could do because she could not afford $800 for one new wheel. I said, yes, there is. You can come down here to Gateway Ford, and we will get your wheel fixed for $100. How's that for a deal? Yeah, there's a guy that comes around to the dealership, not just mine, but every dealership, and fix, well, basically fixes, repairs, curb rash. And does a beautiful job. Now, if they're really gouged out really badly, you're still gonna you're gonna notice it a little bit. But man, these guys are really good. So before you go out and buy eight or pay eight hundred dollars for a wheel just to make your husband happy, you know, go on a Disney cruise with that eight hundred dollars if you can, and just come to Gateway Ford or wherever and get your curb rash repaired. You know, you can do that with a lot of different things: seats. Windshields. Sometimes windshields can be repaired if they're not cracked. Um, 
you can get dents taken care of. We had the dent doctor. They come to Gateway Ford every week. People call me and they say, you know, I've got some, I got some dents. I went to Walmart and I got some dents in my car. Somebody hit it with a shopping cart. And I say, well, um, you know, oh, they say, well, what body shop do you recommend? I said, I don't recommend any body shop until we look at the dents because the dent doctor can probably make them go away. Really? Yeah. So get on down here on Thursday. And he normally shows up at, at lunchtime and let him look at it, and we'll get your dents taken care of. You've probably had dents pushed out before, uh, you know, because of all the hail storms that we have now because of global cooling. Um, you know, this hail drops down and puts little dings in all over our car. Some of those can't be repaired either, but most of them can if we're not, not too many of them and it doesn't distort the metal too bad. Now, if you get hit with a baseball-size uh, hailstone, probably not. But these little ones, uh, they can be pushed out. And the Walmart door dings, that's what I call them. Walmart probably resents the fact that I call them Walmart door dings. But that's tough. Hope I don't get sued. Okay, so anyway, a dent doctor versus a body shop. I get that a lot. So come on down to Gateway or go to your nearest car dealer. How do you do that? Well, just go into the showroom and say, um, you know, go to the dealership where you bought your car or go to the dealership that sells the brand of car that you have. And just go in and speak to the sales manager, whoever's working at the sales tower. Walk into the reception and say, I need to speak to a sales manager. Oh, do you want me to get you a salesperson? No, I want to speak to a sales manager. i got dents in my door, and I want to see when your dent doctor's coming around. Oh, okay. And then they'll get you the sales manager, and he'll be glad to help you if he's not a jerk. Okay, what else? Oh, best way to get a discount on a car while we're in the sales department. Let's talk about the best way to get a discount on a car. I get this a lot. Lenny, I'm going to buy a Honda. Why are you going to buy a Honda? Because I've always had Hondas. Okay, well, if you want to know how to get a discount on a car, number one, be prepared to walk out. Um, don't go with the mindset that you're going to buy a car today. You're just going to get information. Let them do the work, not you. You know, when they present numbers to you, say, well, okay, I'm, I'm probably going to need to check this out and go shop around a little bit and stuff. Oh, really? You know, you don't want them to, they don't want you to shop around. So they'll cut, 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 cut. But still, be prepared to walk if you have to. You don't have to buy a car today. Number two, leave your trade-in out of the deal. First, get a price on what you're buying. They say, well, what are you going to do with your trade? And I said, well, I'm probably going to sell it. Um, would you like to trade it? Well, no, not right now. I just want to know what you'll sell me the car for. Just a straight sale price. What can I buy the car for? Are you sure you're not going to trade? I'm sure. I'm not going to trade right now, but I want to know what you what I can buy the car for right now. See, they'll push back on this just like this. You've got to be strong. Uh, if they won't give you a straight sale price because they think you're going to trade, the reason they're doing that is because they want to make as much money as they can. And if they can under allow you for your trade-in, that picks up extra profit for them. That means that they're actually paying you less for your car than what you really think they're paying you. Uh, you can't always trust those numbers. You've got to know what you can you buy the new car for first before you find out what they're really going to pay you for your trade-in. Okay, let's see what. Oh, yeah, and don't buy based on the monthly payment. That is the most foolish thing that somebody can do. Well, if you get my payments under $450 a month, I'll buy it. That was, a, that was, a prop. That was not a good thing to say. I started to say something else. Uh, do not tell them what you're willing to pay from a monthly payment because they'll find a way to make it happen 
and they'll extend that term out 84 months, and you thought you were paying for 60 months, and then you've paid way too much for the car. Do not close based on the monthly payment. I know the monthly payment is important. I mean, you got to be able to afford the monthly payment, but you know, you got to make sure you know what you're paying for the car and then adjust the term, the interest rate, the down payment. All of those things have a, a factor, but only until only once you know what you're paying for the car. Did you hear that? Find out what you're paying for the car first before you get a quote on the monthly payment. Because if you don't, you're going to pay too much. Okay, I'm going to take my first break. I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, was that somewhat, um, am I lecturing too much? Well, tough. I mean, that's sometimes you just have to do tough love for your constituents. You know, I'm not running for office or anything, but I still believe that people need to listen and uh, pay attention to what I'm saying. Too many don't. You know, if you know somebody that's younger and they've never bought a car before, you need to tell them about this podcast. You need to send this information to them because I promise you that over the life over their lifetime, they will waste a ton of money because they don't know how to negotiate buying a car. Now, granted, the supply of new vehicles right is, is low right now, and there's not a lot of negotiation, but there's still some, and there's still a lot of games being played when people convert to buying the car based on the monthly payment. So find out the selling price. Tell them you're not going to trade your car. Then say, well, if I did trade my car, what would you pay me for it? Make sure the number on the selling price doesn't change. Then you have a trade difference. Then figure out what you can afford to pay per month based on that principal and interest and the car, not with a bunch of warranties and stuff like that in it yet. Wait till you get into the finance office before you start looking at that stuff. Sometimes dealers will pack that stuff in on the on the front end. They do that when you close on the monthly payment. I mean, your actually car actual monthly payment on the trade difference may be three fifty a month, but after they get done packing it all in there, uh, and you think you're just buying a car, they've got a warranty in there and gap insurance and and uh, mop and slop and this and that, and all of that's built into the payment. Is that legal? No, it's not. But there's a lot of people that do stuff that's not legal. Um, it's only an issue if they get caught. So don't just don't give them the opportunity to cheat you out of your money. Okay, let's see. Uh, undercoating and rust proofing. I remember when that was a big deal. We used to do both in the old days, uh, back in the 70s and 80s. Not Well, some in the 90s. We did rust proofing. Z-Bart, I think is what it was called. And we also used their undercoating product. Why? Because cars rusted like crazy back then. They really don't much anymore. But if you live north of the Mason-Dixon line, you know where that is? If you live north of that, you probably know where the Mason-Dixon line is, and you need to get your car rust-proofed. Especially if it's a truck, get it in the cab corners, get it in the rocker panel, along the rockers, along the bottom of the doors, and in the bed, now, if you're buying an F-150, you don't have to. Why? Because it's made out of aluminum. It's not going to rust. But if your vehicle is made out of good old-fashioned steel, if you live up yonder where it snows and salts a lot, you better get some undercoating and rust-proofing because I see them all the time. They come to the auctions from up north. 
to Atlanta and Statesville, North Carolina and stuff, and they're selling these cars. And if it's from up north, I avoid it unless I really look at it good. And if I look underneath a car that's four years old and has fresh undercoating underneath it, I'm not getting near it with a 10-foot pole because I know what they've done. They've covered up rust. And so, you know, you just got to know this stuff. Okay, let's see what else. Parking brake. Oh, yeah, my parking brake stopped holding Lenny. What's the problem? Well, parking brakes have to be adjusted. And if you're noticing that your parking brake, you know, say you had one on on your foot, you know, to the left of the brake pedal, if it's one of those kind of parking brakes or one that you pull up with your hand, if you notice that it's not holding your car, then you need to get it adjusted. How much should that cost, Lenny? Nothing, especially if you're getting your oil changed. That should be free. Um, you know, typically the parking brakes is just is basically uh, engaging the rear brake shoes or the rear brake uh, calipers to hold your car in place. You know what I've found, though? Most people don't use their parking brakes. It's sad, but you should, especially if you park on a hill. You know how you're supposed to park on a hill? I'll tell you. You're supposed to set your parking brake first and then put it in park. Because if you set your parking brake first, then the parking brake is holding the car in place, not the tra- the paw, it's P-A-W-L, in the transmission, which kind of gets in between the gears and holds the vehicle in place. If that parking paw breaks, that's about a $500 repair, and you don't want that. Use your parking brake, especially if you live in San Francisco. Okay, ceramic coating. I did a whole show on ceramic coating and, and paint protection film, and when I did, I got a phone call from a guy and he wanted to talk about it a little bit. He thought I was full of it. He thought I was crazy, that I didn't think ceramic coating and PPF are worth the money. What I think is, is that the people who do it charge too much. You know, what should it cost to get your car coated with a ceramic film? And wh- why would you want it? Well, because it's like a three or four year wax job. It's way better than just wax or some of these other sealers that they put on cars. Cera- a real ceramic coating is worth the money. I just had it done on my 2005 Porsche. It took them, I think, three days to actually do the entire process. They had to really deep clean the paint and buff and buff and buff and finally got it to the point where they could put the coating in and seal everything in. And it's slicker than an icy step now. And it's going to stay that way. Uh, ceramic coating does have value. What should you pay? Mine cost me $900 to have my Porsche done. That's an expensive wax job. But, you know, that car, if I ever decide to sell it, it'll sell a lot better uh, if it has a ceramic coating. A lot of people put PPF. What's PPF? That's paint protection film. It's just clear film that they that takes a lot of skill to put it on. If you try to put it on yourself, you'll butcher it you got to hire somebody that knows what they're doing. Most higher-end detail shops do paint protection film. And the brands do matter, and a lot of that stuff is self-healing. Uh, basically, if it gets a little chip in it, a little rock chip or something, it'll just, just fill right in. I don't know how it does it. It's uh, Maybe it came from outer space. I don't know. But it, it really does work, and a lot of people do their entire cars with that. Most people just do the front of their cars, the the, uh, the front bumper, which on most cars is plastic now, unless it's a truck, uh, the hood, the fenders, uh, the top of the windshield, and the mirrors. 
And sometimes they'll do the rocker panels where you're getting into the car and dragging your feet across it. That's a good place to put it on, too, because as the car ages, you know, you've got, I don't know, 50,000 miles on it. It's got a bunch of bugs and stuff. You can just peel that stuff off, clean it all up, and put another, and it looks just like new. So that's why people do it. What's that worth? Well, I've seen people pay $10,000 for that for their whole car. I would never do that. <clears throat> I would probably pay, you know, 1500 to $2,000 for the front end of my car, counting my mirrors. But, you know, you only want to do this on higher-end cars or a car that you plan on keeping a long time. Would I do it if I bought a, uh, I don't know, a, a Chevrolet Equinox? Heck no. I wouldn't waste my money on that. But if you're buying a BMW or a Porsche or a Lexus, um, maybe a Genesis, you know, something higher end, I would consider that. Or maybe even a sports car like a Corvette or a um, Mustang. You know, a lot of people do, do that on their Mustangs. Okay, let's see. Next big question. Why does my check engine light keep coming on? Which because it's probably because you're going to some little, you know, parts store and they're turning it off and clearing your codes and then you're driving around a little bit longer and boom, there it comes again. You've got a problem with your emission control system. Something's not right or your fuel system. It could be either emissions or fuel. And the reason it keeps coming on is because you're not fixing the problem. You're not getting it diagnosed. If you have a check engine light on a Honda, go to the Honda dealership, get it fixed. If you have a check engine light coming on your uh, Nissan, get come to Gateway Nissan and get it fixed. Find out what's going on. You don't go to Advance Auto Parts or someplace like that to fix a check engine light. Well, they're more expensive. Well, they are, you know, which would you rather do? Go back and forth to all these different places or get it fixed? Once and for all. Do I sound angry? I'm not angry. Not at all. I'm just, that's my lecturing mode. But yeah, it could be because your gas cap is messed up. Really? Yeah, your gas cap, if it's cracked and not sealing your, your gas tank, then that'll that'll trigger your check engine light. So that, that or you just lost your gas cap and you said heck with it. Okay, uh, should I flush my cooling system, Lenny? Yes. I think when you get your uh, coolant changed out at about 30,000 miles, which, you know, most of the manufacturers say their coolant lasts 100,000 miles. That's hogwash. Look at it when it's got 75,000 miles. You'll see it needs to be changed, and it needs to be flushed. I would do, I'd flush it at the same time. Get all those impurities out of there, and it'll make your car run cooler, and your engine block lasts longer, and your engine will thank you. Okay, next one. How often, Lenny, should I get my tires balanced? Never, unless you get new tires. I mean, if your car is not vibrating, you know, if you're not going down the road and you're, if your steering wheel is shaking, more than likely it's a, you've thrown a weight off of your tires. You know, when they balance tires, the, basically they're adding weight. The tires are not perfectly symmetrical. You know, the, you got a little bit more rubber on one side than the other, or the wheel is not perfectly true. And that'll cause, you know, you get up to 60 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour, and it just sets up this vibration. You can feel it in your hands. If you can feel it in your hands when you're just driving down the road, it's, it's your front tires, okay? If you can feel it in your seat and your steering wheel is still, it's your rear tires. Now, could it be something else? Yes. Tire balance, you know, throwing a weight is probably the most common thing. But, like, my truck is vibrating right now, and it's not the tires. I've got an issue with my transmission programming, and they've got to fix it. A lot of people say, well, my tires are out of balance, and they take it back three or four times to get their tires balanced, and it still has a vibration, and then they'd you know, be really upset. I would be too. 
unless somebody really diagnosed it that knows what they're talking about, and that's why you need to go to a new car dealership to get your vehicle diagnosed. So, you know, the only time you're going to get your tires balanced is when you get new tires or you feel something like that going on. Um, An alignment situation is not going to cause your tires to vibrate unless it's just horrendously out of alignment. How often should you get a front-end alignment? Once a year. That's what I recommend. We actually have a machine when you drive into our service department that has a bunch of lasers on it, and it it measures your toe and your caster, and it lets us know those are two of the three measurements of a tire most common tire alignment issue, and it measures it, and it's no cost. It's free. A lot of dealerships will, will charge 20 or 30 or $40 to put it on a machine and see if it's out of alignment, and we do it just when you drive through. So that's another good reason to come to Gateway. Uh, I'm going to take my last break. I'll be back here in just a second. Okay, I am back. You know, the last question that that I got was a recent question. It was the end of an email, and the customer said, you know, I really appreciate you doing this, uh, this guru stuff. Uh, but why did you do it? Why do you do this? Um, and I guess the only answer to that is that I feel like this is a ministry for me, that it is something that I know a lot about that I can help other people who don't know quite as much about it as I do. And it's a platform. You know, the radio station gave me this platform uh, 20-some years ago. And, I mean, they they were not just me, but they were giving it to other businesses that wanted to do it. I just expanded it to 30 minutes, well, actually 23 minutes of talking, and, uh, you know, turned it into a radio show and then turned it into a podcast. And it's reaching out. It's growing like crazy on the Internet right now. And I'm really happy that it's reaching more people because, you know, it's people need it. They need common sense talk. You know, you can go to a dealership and and you can lose enough money on a car transaction to pay for a really nice family vacation. And if I can help people avoid that, then I'm going to do it. Uh, same thing with auto repair and maintenance and how to take care of things and the history of the car business. And sometimes, you know, people don't need advice. They're car experts themselves. They just like to be you know, hear somebody talk straight and provide information. Uh, talk radio, I got hooked to, uh, on it when, when I started listening to Rush Limbaugh back in the old days. I don't know how many years ago. But talk radio is um, something that is a platform, and it can be a platform for good or bad. And I choose to, to make it for the good, and I hope it's beneficial. If you have any comments or questions, uh, feel free to send them to me and that's where all of this comes from, and I, it really helps guide the things that I talk about. My cell phone number is 423-552-2020. You can text me, or you can email me, LennyLawson2020 at gmail.com. That's Lenny, L-E-N-N-I-E. And uh, I do appreciate you, and I appreciate the opportunity to be with you every day on this uh, podcast. Well, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.